I am. We are recording. Okay, so we are back. Hey guys, it's us, two girls in a mic. My name's She Talks, and I'm with my very special co-host, my, my girl. What's up? <laughs> Hi everyone, it's I'm gonna me. Call you the glue, but you know, the I'm one that runs things in here, the one that gets shit popping. Make sure Cheryl presses record and you if know I'm actually you. turns up on time. Me. Okay, <laughs> I just mute you there. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna go. I'm, I'm gonna leave. <laughs> we also have a guest with us today. Um, he goes by the name of Funk Butcher. Say hey. Hey. I love it when men react on cue, just like that. <laughs> um, so we're going to be getting it, getting into it with him a bit later on in the show. Um, but La, first and foremost, what have you been up to? Um, getting ready to go back to the gym. Gym's open on the 25th of July. I'm overly excited, but I'm also anxious as well. I'm excited because... People like me, personal trainers, and just people who are very much into working out are, have been gagging for the longest amount of time to get back into gyms and get back into a routine. Mm. I think it's more to do with the fact that in gyms, obviously, you have specialist equipment, you have super heavy weights. At home, you can do your training, but you're not going to have the, the, the equipment and the stuff that you really want to use in order to get the gains that you want particularly if you're somebody who likes to kind of lift heavy weights like myself yeah um so it's been really just like i've been chomping at the bit like i need to get in i need to get in there i need to do this and i need to do that but um at the same time i'm super anxious because generally speaking g- um gyms are like a hive for bacteria and even thinking. before the corona they're just pretty much disgusting and mm. you know i've been watching a lot of uh, major gym brands you know kind of put together these videos explaining what they're going to do and what you can expect when you step back into the gym and how in they're going to in terms of cleanliness cleanliness social distancing and and I'm watching it and I'm thinking to myself all of these things are really basic and things that you should have been doing from before like corona mm. and I'm anxious because it's like okay I really want to see how you guys are going to implement these things because from what I saw before a lot of gyms tend to they will have cleaners but they will only have them coming in at certain times in the day for a certain amount of time so if your gym opens from six in the morning till 10 10 o'clock at night that's a long time for a gym to be used consistently but yet you only hire cleaners to come in maybe for four hours in the day so what happens in between that space of time what they tend Mm -hmm. to do is they rely on the fitness instructors the receptionists to kind of give a little one two one two wipe down and things like that and they're relying on you know gym members to come in and wipe down the machines which a lot of them do not do they just think oh there's a cleaner let them do it you know people can be quite lazy so there's things like that so i am really super interested to see if they are actually going to hire extra cleaning staff if they're going to be using um more antibacterial spray things to spray down the machines and the weights and things like that because i'm gonna i know my little ocd self like i can work very well in my own mess but other people's mess sends me a bit doolally so this is going to be interesting. So people who like to go there to take spas and saunas, I think 
them days are over. You might as well build a shed in your back garden and develop your own, build your own spa. Because I think mm. that's not going to be happening for at least maybe a year, even two years. Because that's definitely, you know, a breeding ground for germs. So, you know, the yeah. thing is, the thing is, uh, you, you know, you're talking about going back to, to, to a gym. And I really can't even imagine wanting to be in a space where, um, you know, people are like heavy breathing, sweating. Mm right now um hence there was going to be no way i'll be going to carnival <laughs> if it were on this year but um, i'm so sorry. it's on this year did you hear the news they're bringing it not, back not, no they're doing a live online um version. oh that's different that's different yeah. i haven't heard so, yeah. news, but that's different <laughs> but I, I i can't even imagine wanting to be in a restaurant right now like yeah you know i'm looking at everyone like a potential carrier so who's prepared my food? Who's touched my plates? Who's touched my cutlery? Who's touched my, my um, glass? Who's touched the table? Who's sitting next to me on the, on the other table? Who's touched this menu? There are too many options <laughs> for me. So <laughs> it's enough. What about you, Funk? Are you, you, are you a gym person? Do you like working out? Um, no, I've been doing a lot of the exercise at home. I bought some resistance bands because I saw that yeah. the price hiked on a lot of the weights. Yeah. So yeah. I've been doing a lot of resistance training and that. But for me, a lot of the... Because I was one of those first people that was out there doing the, I guess, the panic buying of toilet, toiletries and toilet <laughs> rolls, all that kind of stuff. So I was in amongst all of that. And plus, I'm considered a key worker because I do a lot of work in schools. Right. So I guess what that's done over the period of, I don't know how many weeks we've been in lockdown now, about four months, that's kind of given me a, a level of confidence I can understand some people might not have because I have mm. to be out there. But I can definitely understand that in environments like gyms, which I guess are, yes, are breeding grounds. Look at Cheryl screwing up her face. <laughs> which, are, <laughs> which are breeding grounds for, for bacteria and germs. It's not safe, but we're getting conflicting information at the moment. Is it safe? Is it not safe? So there, there's people in shops and I mean, they're, they're just about to bring in the whole hundred pound fine for masks not being worn in shops. But I work in a school and there's no sort of stipulation to say that children like who I feel will fall into one of the most um, at risk groups also have to wear masks. So again, it, when you kind of have that conflicting information, you kind of need yeah. to put your headspace in a in a um, a functioning position. Mm. Otherwise, you'll you'll just stay at home all day. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Which I don't mind actually. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the the homebody in me has jumped out. In this, in this you know what? We're we're saying that now because you know. I mean, I don't mind staying. I can, I can pretty much work between staying at home and going outside to like train in the park because the weather is lovely. But we've pretty much got like two to three months before we know that the weather's going to change again. And then mm. we are, will probably be in lockdown, lockdown. No, yeah. None of us are going to want to go outside at the best of times because it's going to be cold. So I'm like, this, this could all change. Like I'm waiting for people to start coughing and spluttering come September, October. And then... I feel like we're going to go back to square one and I don't want to be the, the pessimist here, but I do feel like a second wave is, is on its way. Mm. We're not taking this serious at all. So no. yeah. boy, it means wearing a little piece of fabric over your mouth and nose just to, you know, kind of at least flatten the curve. I, I just wish people would kind of just pay attention. It's like the most basic of things to ask for, like 
just cover your nose and mouth and wash your hands Jesus like it's really basic what's the problem Mm-mm-mm. well yeah I don't know um we'll see but you're right I um I am completely yeah I would say fearful about what's coming in the winter months I'm not gonna lie to you like I just you know when you think about, do you remember those days? Ugh, do you remember those days when we used to see like buses go past and all the windows were steamed yeah, up? Steamed up. <laughs> breath. 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 Inside the bus. I can't. Oh, it's making me feel ill. Okay, let's move on because I'm making myself ill. <laughs> right, so last show, which is out now, called uh, our last show, which is out now, called Before That Red Table Talk. We yeah. kind of got up about this whole Will, Jada, um, I shouldn't even say Will's name first, Jada Pinkett-Smith and August Orsina scenario relationship, as we now know it was. Um, and what had been said about Will at the time was that he'd given his permission and we spoke about that as an issue. Um, but now Jada's come to the t- red table <laughs> She was saying that there was some healing that was needed. Some, as I said in the last show, some herbal healing <laughs> was needed. But it's like, hold on a minute. So we've all watched it. Funk, have you watched it? Did you watch the Red Table talk between Will and, and, and Jada? No, and I'll, I'll tell you why. Because for the longest time, I felt that she's a bit of a fraud. So I haven't oh, really... Yeah. yeah. So... That's, and, and the thing is, is I'm the kind of person where I, I judge a person's character based on their consistency of, so I'm not just basing it off what she said. And uh, mm. in this instance, I'm, I'm looking at from what I know of her from the outside, looking in of how she's portrayed her character. Mm. Now she's adopted this, um, Dear Deirdre. Remember Dear Deirdre? He used to yeah. be in the sun. Yeah. yeah. So she's adopted this kind of celebrity Dear Deirdre character. She brings um celebrities in that have kind of been embroiled in a scandal at the time and she she gives him a telling off and for that she almost assumes a a moral pedestal yeah above other people so for her to be doing something which you don't need to be a rocket scientist to figure out that you don't see your son's friend or you know you know what i mean so when I kind of got the gist of it online, because that's what, that's what Twitter can kind of give you, it's, it's the news now. You go online, read a, read a few timelines, and it's like, okay, I get it. This is what she's done. Uh, well, this, it's not really much explaining. You want to hear from her side of things. Yeah. And it's, it's quite dangerous, because if you entertain the explanation, it almost appears as if there is a feasible ground for that to occur. So I'm like, you know what I mean? I, I, I hear some poetry clicks, please. <laughs> I, I hear you, but I don't hear you. I, I respect your opinion, but respectfully, you're wrong. That's yeah. what I like to say. So it's 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 cool. I, I mean, there's I get the whole cougar thing. I get it. I get it. But nah, at some at <laughs> some stage, there has to be some sort of discernment from the older woman to protect these younger men. That's all. Thank you. So. We, we, we were saying, this is why we were kikiing about the healing that she said <laughs> needed to go. Because we wanted to know what was going to be the herbal healing. <laughs> that was, that was, that was, so that's why I cheated. Because I wanted to know, how are you going to heal this scenario? So we've now watched 
watched this, we've now watched this, um, this setup, and I yeah. use these words accordingly, with her and Will at the table, you know, trying to look relaxed, mm. talking mm. about org, you know, talking about, like, he's just there, their yeah. mate. Yeah. And I'm just, I've come away from it thinking, I'm just, I'm, 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 I'm disgusted at her. Mm. I really, really am. Mm. I'm not, I'm not going to even, like you said, I'm not even entertaining all of this blah, blah, blah that she did at the table. Yeah. And talking about, you know, you and I were done with each other. And, you know, so I got into an entanglement with August. An entanglement <laughs> with August. An entanglement, an entanglement, an entanglement that was a tune though that was a tune <laughs> black choice of forever reigns supreme man I'm yes, telling you they're always right on time always right on time. the first the first sign that she hasn't taken accountability is by even using that term entanglement mm. what does that mm. mean Jada what does that mean say what you mean you yeah. stepped over your boundary the mm. boundary that you should have imposed because August Alsina was your son's friend he came to your family, not you, your family, in a vulnerable state because of where he was in life, things that had happened in his life, and we've recounted them all on the last show. Things that had happened in his family, things that had happened to him personally, looking at his background, his, you know, being thrust into stardom, all of that. He had all of that going on, battling, you know, autoimmune disease, battling all of that, um, an addiction to... Um, Percocets, and what you found <coughs> after all of that mm. ability to engage in a in a in a relationship, a sexual intimate relationship with him. No, mm. <laughs> that's that's all levels of wrong. And yeah. what I what I didn't like from all this chitting and chatting that her and Will did, and this kiki and and this bad marriages for life business, is that Jada upon all the clarity of words that you've used for Snoop, for all these other people that have come to T.I. as well, T.I. T.I. Yeah. You have not held yourself firmly and vocally accountable for what happens. And I'm, I'm not rocking with that. That's, mm. and why, that's why when you said fraud, Frank, she's, that to me, that's some fraudulent business. Yeah. That is some big time fraudulent business. So I just watched it and... It's quite sad, though. It's yeah. quite sad the way she's presented herself as having a, a higher state of self-awareness that she can pick out these things in other people, yeah. but yet she can't see... see in herself. Exactly. Yeah. And, and that's quite upsetting because up until that point in time, the kind of conversations that um, I guess she was presenting, because that's, that's, that, that's what they were. They were presentations, yeah. now that we know. They weren't real, honest... Um, disclosures of of oneself mm -hmm. so she was presenting a, a a a conversation which it doesn't have any validity because now people can see that you don't have that skill set to see it within yourself so yeah. where are we at we're back at at, at, at the beginning again at point zero yeah. so it's um the beauty that i love of social media is that these platforms these moments um me meeting yourself and Lala, it's all coming from the honesty part of the conversation, us being honest, us being truthful with yeah. owning our truth. If it gets to a stage where 
the truth is only necessary if there's cash involved, if, there, if it's, if it's a, a marketization of something. Because mm-hmm. a lot of people can see that her and Will only sat at that table to get views, to get money, to, to propel their brand of their show. Yeah. Otherwise, they would have taken that secret to the grave of them. Yep. So, um, yeah. The, the- uh, can we, can we, it's interesting because can we just talk about something that had um, been on our minds to speak about? It's the blame game. Mm-hmm. I think, La, you had, you had noted this about whether August or Cena can in some way be seen to be at blame. And I actually took that off the agenda, but mm-hmm. I think let's bring it back in because that has been part of the discourse. People talking about, oh, he shouldn't have said for starters, yeah. that he was yeah. messy for yeah. saying. And to be honest with you, I disagree that he shouldn't have said because if, and, and it ties into the fact that, as you've said, they've come to the red table to monetize, to commercialize their response. Mm. If they didn't do that, mm-hmm. it would add more credibility to the cries that August should not have made this public. Mm-hmm. If they had said, it's a private affair which has been dealt with privately and we're not commenting, which was, which was within them to, to do. They didn't yeah. have to come to the table. Nobody held guns at them and said, come to the table. Mm-hmm. It's, it's all for their benefit. It's all damage limitation. It's all commercialization, as you said. But I, I generally don't agree that, firstly, August was messy for talking about it because yeah. I think it's, it's his story to tell as well. Yeah. She had a relationship with him. He's not just a backdrop. He is, yeah. you know, th- in fact, the story is him and her, not her and Will. Yeah. And so I, th- I just think when it's a situation like that, I don't care if he signed an NDA. And in fact, even if he had signed an NDA, even more so, why mm. should you silence a part of somebody's life? Mm. Because, Jada, this comes back to the choices that you made. Yeah, and I agree. I think objectively, uh, me, I could, as a black man, I could look at the situation and as a black man being in situations before in the past where I've um, dated an older woman, I can say that at that point in time, you are under the, the spell, so to speak, of um, the esteem yeah. that you, you, hope to, you hope to gain from, from dealing in that, in that um, environment. Didn't I, say that, didn't I say that to you? I can't remember if we said it on air or whether we said it in our conversations, La, but there's going to be mm. something about that, that age dynamic between them as well. Oh, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, there's, I mean, as a, as, a young, as a young man, you've... Um, and this is kind of like, again, this is the beauty of these kind of discussions because there's, there's a window into the male world that sometimes women aren't, aren't privy to. And likewise, men have to have more honest talks, especially with black women, to understand the dynamic of what um, uh, our sisters are going through. So the esteem, the bragging rights of dating an older woman is going to be there. The part which I take issue with is when she identified he was sick. Yeah. It's almost that at that point you have to take ownership of the situation because it's almost like... But she said that in the first instance. Yeah, yeah. Initially says to me that you were privy to this information, but yet you still went there. Why? Weird. Very weird. Yeah. So it's almost like a girl at a club being inebriated. You don't take her home. She she doesn't have the capacity to. So when you've identified you and your own assertions, you've made 
um, uh, 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 that that judgment call that that person is not mentally up to scratch, yeah. then you have to do everything. If you care about that person, you have to do everything to protect them, not yeah. exploit them. So what's happened here? He's been exploited for her own pleasures and then cast aside. Mm. And the problem that I have have had, I've had a few conversations in private about this and some people said oh he's been messy and my my response is that you can't homogenize the healing process some everyone heals in different ways mm. so if somebody wants to write it down in the book can i just got, do a bit of an oprah you know when someone says something <laughs> impactful and then oprah repeats it you cannot homogenize <laughs> the healing process <laughs> 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 But the thing is, there are some people who protect the women in their life by, by being silent. Mm. They do that. that. That is just who they are as a, as a person. It doesn't mean they're not hurting, mm. but that's the, the relationship they've got. And that's how, I guess, they respect their, that relationship by keeping quiet on matters. Somewhere along the line, it's been believed that that is the convention. That if you're hurting, you keep quiet, even though you're hurting. But realistically, why do we go to, to therapists then if it's so cathartic to speak? You know what I mean? That's him speaking. There is that cynicism. Some may have, I can't speak on it that because he's got music coming out. This was a marketing tool and a PR drive. Okay, cool. You can look at it like that. But outside of that, if there were two regular, um, regular paid folk kind of thing, him speaking on it, that's, that's, fu- that's fine. It's not messy. He's entitled to. He was in the bedroom as well. So why can't he speak on it? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and you know, I the guess... funny thing is, even when you're saying he was in the bedroom as well, like we need to also recognise and appreciate that, that, well, maybe this is conjecture on my point, but I, I suspect that that relationship for him ran far deeper than just the sexual. Definitely. Because of, because of what we appreciate he was going through mm-hmm. and where he's come from. So mm. you're right to, to then be told, uh, 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 but you can never speak about that because yeah. of who the person was, mm. not because of anything else, but because of who she is. That's, mm. that's a heavy burden. Yeah. And I, yeah, I was a little bit cynical about, oh, you know, is it because that, that, you know, he had the album coming out at the same time, but even, you know. Yeah, I think that's, I, I, do you know, I actually think that's slightly, it's kind of irrelevant because like you, yeah. like you said, that is his story. Yeah. The minute he decides to, whether he's got an album or out or not, it's up to him. Like, you, you, can't, you can't control it. And, yeah. you know, to, to, for people saying that, so what? So what? And I want to tell you before my album comes out. Why, why can't I? And, and it may well be that, that that period and that experience and everything connected to it has influenced his art, his album. So actually, mm. maybe for him, in his mind, there's a certain level of, of, of catharsism and yeah. also the synergy of the album coming out and him disclosing this at the same time. It's all maybe wrapped up in the same thing for him. Yeah. It's quite weird, though, because, I mean, we've, we kind of live and are fully immersed in a culture where some of our favourite music artists are inspired in that way. I mean, look at Adele, look at Mary J. Blige. A lot of their relationships fuel their work. So for him to do exactly what has been done years and years and years before, but people take issue with it, I guess because they have an emotional attachment to the woman in question. If, if, If nobody knew who this woman was, they wouldn't have an issue with him disclosing his information and saying he was hurt 
and he was in a relationship with an older woman and it didn't go the way he wanted to. Mm-hmm. But because we're, this is celebrity culture, this is popular culture, this is, this is the era that we're in. This is why um, a reality TV star is the president in America. It's not because he was, <laughs> he's fit for the job, it's because it's a popularity contest. Yeah. And unfortunately, um, it blinds some people's judgment. Yeah. It blinds some people's judgment. And, and you see it time and time and time again with celebrities. And that's why I, I take issue with it. I guess um, I, I, I can't put my finger on, on it, but I'm a very grounded person. I, I, and that allows me to be consistent in the way I view things. Mm. So I don't, even though when I tweet, I have, an, I have a self-awareness that my tweets can sometimes be misconstrued as being sanctimonious. I'm yeah. not. It's because I, I apply a level of consistency throughout. Mm-hmm. I'm never going to look at someone and be, well, because you've got X amount of millions in the bank that you've got carte blanche to do whatever you feel like it. Yeah. No? So that's how we have to kind of look at the whole Jada and August situation. And same way, I would, I would say exactly the same thing, same way if that was an older man manipulating a younger, a younger girl. Can I, can I, sorry, can I, I'm glad you said that because I've listened to a a couple of other um, podcasts that are quite, you know, male led, shall we say, Mm -hmm. just listened Mm -hmm. to our brother podcast actually prior to doing this. And let me tell you, them men are in, apart from Damon, all, all four of them are in bits. They were so angry at Jada Pinkett in a way that I didn't find strange, but what I do find strange is that, you know, every week or at least every month we hear about a celebrity breakup and nine times out of 10, it's the man that's doing the cheating. Mm-hmm. And nine times out of 10, when this story gets released or, you know, when we become aware of it, men pretty much are like, Oh, okay. And then they're like, you know, Oh, what was the score at the Emirates? Like there's yeah. no kind yeah, of like, yeah. you know, conversation or disgust or anything, but I've been listening to men kind of speaking about this particular instance. And I'm just like, Oh wow! So you do care about you know a spouse being cheated on, but do you only care when it's the woman that's done the cheating? Because let me, if you listen to cut the chat, listen, feelings are hurt. Like I wanted to call Phil and be like, "Bro, are you alright? Do you need some, <laughs> some water? Like, yeah. do you need a hug? What do you need?" Like Lee, who loves uh, Will Smith to death. It's just like, he's distraught. They're like really distraught. And I'm like, this is not the first time that we as, you know, as a society have heard about, you know, someone in the public eye cheating on their spouse. It's just that this time round, let me tell men are cut cut up about it, really cut up. So I guess my question is, does it hit differently for men when it's the woman that's doing the cheating? And why why is there a lack of concern when it's the woman that's being cheated on? I, I think it's very simple. Men are a lot more sensitive and weaker than women. And I'll, I'll be the first one to say that. It, you have to look at, if, if women have gone through much of their lives having to deal with um, half-truths, having to deal with lies, having to deal with um, misinformation, you're going to build up a, a resilience and a tolerance that us men don't have because we're the ones that are normally dishing out the the narrative to control and protect our our situations mm. the problem is <laughs> and this is why I, I kind of get into these situations because i've got a, a big mouth and i'm just tired i'm tired of, <laughs> of 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 hiding things which i feel like hold on if we share this information between us you and i then we can have a great understanding and then we can move forward why are we why are we so hell-bent on 
conserving information, which is basically the, the manual to how we work. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the long and short of it is that it affects men deeper because I've been in, I've been, um, in situations where uh, a woman has, has left me and for on her own grounds, something that I've done. And mm. yeah, I feel that I've been hard done by. And it takes me, Let's go over the facts. <laughs> yeah. And it is, it's a very, very, very um, tough situation <laughs> to deal with. But I think as a man, and I try and tell some of my younger students that are going through some of their relationship stuff with their girlfriends, you, you get better at it. You get better at it. But um, it's, it's, it's to do with the male ego, it's to do with the bravado, it's to do with the lack of control of a situation as well, um, that we call time on things, not other people calling time on situations. So being cast into the abyss, once again, women are sadly have to deal with this time and time and time and time and time again in regards to their dating situations so they build up a steel that we don't have and we've never really had to but if you flip the tables and we was getting um dumped like and and led astray and in entanglements we would probably (laughs) we would probably be as as resilient as you but it's just that's just the nuts and bolts of it we are emotionally weaker than women yeah, it was just so weird listening to all of them. Like one one guy was saying, "Oh, he, he um he should have married um, Nia Long," and I was thinking, "Nia Long, his TV TV actress <laughs> girlfriend, like they didn't actually have a relationship. They worked together." They're, yeah, like, I know. And this is this is this is another thing that I kind of spotted is that people, meaning society, because of the perceptions of Will Smith. Because he's obviously, we've all grown up with him being the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. We mm. literally think that Will Smith is the real Will Smith. Yeah. So when you know how many years later, and you know we've built up this idea in our head of who who he is as a person. Now we're like, how dare this woman cheat on you know little Willie Smith? You yeah. know, playing yeah. in Philadelphia. What's the, what's the, what's the song when he played in the basketball court back in the day? Blah blah blah. That's yeah. the perception that we have in you know, our head, we actually don't know Will Smith, the person. Like, yeah, of course. You know, which, yeah. is, which is another thing that people are missing, which is why people are so outraged. It's like, how could you do that? The funny kid with the backward hat and the, you know, the jokes and Uncle Phil and all of these connections that people are making rather than thinking, hang on a minute, this is an actual real man who's 50 plus, you know, they've been together for 25 years. We only know the smallest fraction of yeah. what has gone on within their relationship. Don't be surprised if this time next month that we might find out something about Will that he's done to Jada that we would consider raw. That's kind of not in in line with the perception or with the, you know, the the idea that we have of Will Smith, the actor that we grew up with. Which is why I'm not getting too, I've kind of fallen back from getting too invested in you know, this particular mm-hmm. story, the only thing that kind of made me go, whoa, was the fact that Jada did actually abuse her position with August mm. Alcina. But in yeah. terms of, you know, the two of them as a married couple, I pretty much have to give it the same amount of attention that men give when, you know, men cheat on their spouses every damn day and they don't mm. really care. It's just mm. whatever. I have to treat mm-hmm. it like whatever. Yeah. That's it. And I think it, even if 
just to for people that struggle to incorporate an empathy setting into their into their lives when they're looking at these things i would just say use your imagination that's mm-hmm. what i say use your imagination think to yourself what possible situation would allow her with her chest to come out and talk like this maybe will has done something prior to this mm-hmm. maybe he's not the the innocent party with the the red eyes and <laughs> holding back the tears sitting at the table mm-hmm. maybe that's for a reason because he actually can't speak on it because he's he's caused this this situation yeah i mean there's there's always two sides to every story and again i'm not like like yourself lala i'm not um i'm not upset at will's feelings at this i'm upset at probably the young sick august who got into that situation will's a grown man that's his wife relationships they go they have their ups and downs all relationships have their ups and downs kind of thing so we're never really gonna get the 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 full tale there but um yeah yeah, I i think there has to be a level of um imagination as to what possibly could make someone come out and disclose such private information mm. just for money kind of thing maybe maybe jada has had enough and that's how she's kind of um expressing it mm. she, she needed to feel good yeah. <laughs> <laughs> good in so long shut the hell up what kind of rubbish? Let me see you talking about you haven't felt good in so long, and so that's what caused it. I'll hunt this cow down. I like how she was sitting on that chair like Russell Simmons, you know, the whole yogi pose. Yeah. And yeah, like, Put yeah. your legs down. No, but yeah. you know what? I literally I got his hands on his that. legs with his knee shaking, like looking like he wants to slap her up. Affected. I thought all of that was really affected. I thought all of that was 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 primed to look so you know performative. Even, yeah, performative. Mm. even the unbuttoned, loose, casual shirt that she was wearing. I thought all of that mm. all kind of like picked and chosen. To kind of, she had. Remember, she had sliders on, as opposed <laughs> to her usual. All of that, <laughs> we're just chilling, you know, discussing yeah. my infidelity. <laughs> all laid back, laid back. Yeah. No, yeah, no, don't try it. So, yeah, I'm not really believing. Um, yeah, man, bad marriage for life. <laughs> 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 even that, even that. I don't, they, they've either said that mm. so many times before, which is dysfunctional AF. Yeah. Or they practiced it for that because how yeah. did they know each other was gonna say that? It was practiced, mm. it was rehearsed. So that leads me to believe that the whole scenario was basically just a rehearsal and a almost like a power grab to try and take back the narrative. And mm. um they're welcome to it. So let's keep mm-hmm. it moving. Okay, Move so on. we want to um I think now's a good time since you've warmed up funk. introduce you to the listeners so why don't you take it away tell us who you are and what you do oh gold um don't know where to start um so my name's funk butcher um can call me kwame uh i've been well i'm most notably known for music and broadcasting so i started off Many, 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 many years ago on a pirate radio station called Blaze FM. Then I went to a station called, um, gosh, Radio Web. And then I landed on a, a kind of like a pirate underground institution called Deja Vu. Wow. And the reason why Deja Vu is quite popular, it was 
basically the breeding ground for much of the industry talent. So Kano was on there, DWE was on there, Wiley's been on there, Lethal B's on there, um, Getz has been on there. Did I say Kano's been on there? Yeah, so um, it was a breeding ground for a lot of the MC culture for today. Mm. Uh, the, grime, the grime scene, um, funky scene, house scene. Um, and then I've gone from there and I've gone on to Rinse FM, met a, a lot, load of other kind of important musicians um, to do with other different scenes. And then from there, I went on to Kiss. Mm. And there's not many... And what's people... your genre? I don't think you've really clarified. What's your... So I specialise in house. Right. I specialise in house music. Um, I, I run a... <laughs> I run a <laughs> label called... <laughs> Lala doing the skags. <laughs> <laughs> I have to so, do them in my room. There's no festivals anymore. I'm like, this summer's a write-off. I'm so upset. You have no idea. But you yeah. you got to do S S D S socially distanced skanking. That's what it is. So I specialize in house music and I run a independent label called Houseology. And I kind of pretty much I've been fortunate enough to to meet the right people along the way mm. who have given me the information and the means to do my own thing. So I release music as, as I want, when I want. Um, I kind of use my social media platforms as I want, when I want and speak up the way I do. Yeah. But I've still had a wealth of opportunities. I've done stuff with um, Jeremy Corbyn, bless his soul, DJ for the Labour Party a couple of years ago. Wow. Um, okay. um, I've done a lot of activism in regards to youth crime. So I've been up to Westminster and given evidence for Vicky Foxcroft. The report's just been uh, published this week, actually, in regards to youth crime and how different agencies can affect um, uh, the protection of youth in regards to youth crime. Mm-hmm. So that's something that's pretty close to my heart. And now we're in an age of kind of dealing with anti-blackness sentiment. Yeah. And I'm kind of approaching it through my lane of the music industry and trying to affect change in there and, and bringing through and amplifying a lot of my peers' voices yeah. in that regard as well. So that's, that's kind of, it's, it's, I'm glad that you um, took us through that, that romp through, you know, your background, what you've been involved in and, and everything. Because that, you landing just on the issue of... Um, amplifying voices of your peers and obviously of um, black counterparts within music is kind of the way that I came upon you because um, La was um, just put me onto a a thread of tweets that you did talking about um, effectively the erasure of black women vocalists within music or in in particular genres where they apply their vocals to tunes and then they are kind of airbrushed out of the landscape of that tune mm-hmm. not appearing mm-hmm. in the visuals and not really being pushed forward as an equal part of um those tunes so can you can you talk us through like some of the examples of that and then let's really get into that subject yeah so some people like to to kind of run jokes with me and say oh you've clocked twitter you've clocked twitter because i guess i know I found a formula to trigger discourse on the timeline and um, use it as a mechanism to start bigger and wider conversations off the back of that. So I would always sometimes, I know what I'm doing well, kind of pose a question in regards to the scene and a problem in the scene that people 
are probably aware of, but for whatever existing relationships within the industry, they don't want to speak up on it. So one of the, the most obvious ones to me has been the visibility and the, the, the crediting of black women in music. Right. Um, I always knew this was going on, um, but I understand even in the realms of uh, black music, black men enjoy a level of privilege black women don't have, mm-hmm. which is why when black women are asking for help, it's not that they need help, but they understand that our voices in some uh, circumstances can affect change a lot easier because they are not being heard or not being considered in any part of the, the recording process. So I just put out a question I just kind of posed. It's, it's quite rhetorical in, in the sense of, you, you know these songs. Show me these faces to these songs. Yeah. And everyone was stumped. It's like, I ca- yeah, these are classics and there's this track and that track and I, I know the words to it. Yeah. I, I, I recognize it instantly when it comes on the radio, but I could never point at that woman's face. And yeah. I was just like, there you go then. Why do you think that is? That could never happen with a, a white female music, musician in, in the same field or in any other popular music field where the music that they're behind, you, will, you won't see their face. Mm. Either in the marketing, in the promo rollout, in the video even. Mm. It got to a point where black women were getting replaced for cartoons, characters, or oh. or some sort of animation. That's that's awful. Yeah, and again, it's it, it, it's not something that clearly was difficult to um, put across online because of how viral it went, and it went viral because people, when they sat down and they thought about it, they was just like, yeah, this is. This is true. What, why has this been happening? And, and again, let's, it's... Let's go there. Why has it well, been happening? There's, and there's and it's a simple reason. It's, it's been happening because at some stage, people, well, I say people, predominantly white men within these industries have believed that the marketing of black women stops at the, the booth, the recording booth. Black women are not considered in the promo rollout, in the, in the artwork, in the, in the video, in the interviews. They're not considered. And even sometimes they're not considered in the crediting of the track. So, so they're not, so their pockets don't, don't matter. Their pockets don't matter. Their faces don't matter. Nothing. Mm. So again, a lot of the education has to come from putting yourself in those spaces. So if you're a black man or even if you're a white man, if you put yourself in the spaces where black women are and, and just listen, just shut up, listen, you'll find that this stuff has been going on for eons. Yeah. yeah? Even down to, um, I'm chatting to a, a friend of mine, um, Nene, who's, who does body groove mm-hmm. and the issues she, she's had in just in regards to makeup, mm-hmm. Terry Walker, the same thing, makeup mm-hmm. where something as basic as just making them feel comfortable and look good for photo shoots isn't accommodated for and when they do ask for it they're being labeled as difficult or a diva so what you have is that and this is kind of leads on to the the tweets i've been saying today on online which is if you're listening that will be on the 17th of july Uh, it was a tweet in regards to not making money the priority 
in yeah. these negotiations because otherwise you'll get black women very well paid who yeah. still don't have a voice who still don't have a say in how they're marketed yeah. they want to come out and wear kinte cloth in their video no you can't mm. and that's what we're, we're aiming for the 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 equilibrium that i'm trying to affect is that yeah. you walk into a situation as a black female singer and yeah. It's goal time. You get what you want out of the situation. Yeah. And you're not labeled difficult. You're not labeled a diva. Yeah. You, you go in and you're valued. Yeah. yeah. And that's what I'm trying to affect with these conversations. And, it's, and it is difficult because I've always known that one of the main reasons um, um, a lot of black male musicians don't speak up mm-hmm. um, is because they've been compromised along the way financially. Right. They've, they've got relationships and endorsements and sponsorship deals, which honestly they feel would be at risk if they spoke up. And I wish if anyone's listening to this podcast, which I, I hope they will do, because um, it's a brilliant podcast. I think that they should just take a leap of faith. Yeah. That's all it is. Just take, believe in their source, believe in the fact that they are, a very valuable commodity within that organization mm. and them speaking up is the least of that company's worries. Mm. And they have to start having a little bit of, of oomph in their, in their, in their artistry. Yeah. Otherwise they're just a, they're just a jukebox really. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, do you think that um, again, just looking at recent events, and the, the, the waves and the movements that have come from recent events. Do you think that people are taking advantage of that energy and now speaking up? Because you're speaking, but you're a vocal person anyway, and that's clear, and have <laughs> been speaking and will continue to speak. But yeah. do you also see now people getting with the program, as it were? Yeah, I feel... <sighs> And this is just my take on it. My take, and again, I said this on a, a podcast I've done with um, uh, Dev and Marcus Bonzi on how to kill an hour. And I basically explained that what needs to be understood is that we're, we are not a monolith. Mm. Right? And it's a bit of a double-edged sword because for me to accept that, I have to, I have to exist in the same space as a Kanye West mm. and not, have, not take issue with it. Because that is part of the, the diversity of our, of our thinking processes. As irritating as it is, mm. I can't proclaim to be about the diversity of us as black people, but yet not tolerate someone like Kanye kind mm. of thing. So in, in that, I have to understand that um, the nature of... Uh, and the pace at which people join this fight is going to be a bit different. Right. I can't actively activate someone at will to all talk up at the same time. Some people are going to find their, their, their momentum at different stages of, of, of the conversation. But what I am noticing when I talk to people, white people as well, that have been calling my phone and in my DMs and saying, oh, Kwame, what can I do? This, that, and the other. And my thing is this. My response and the next person's response is the same. It's one and the same. It's their truth. It's my truth. Yeah. Don't look at me as some sort of gauge of this is what we see as, a, uh, as an acceptable black person and that person isn't because that person's a bit too angry and difficult. Mm. But I'm black, they're black. Mm. Yeah? 
I think what <laughs> what's happened over time is the the white the white contingent, the business side of things, has scoured the black community and found the most acceptable black person to work with. Blacks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. To 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 kind of to project whatever agenda they may have financially or yeah. commercially. Yeah. Now I'm I'm entering spaces and understanding that that's that's not work that's not gonna work anymore because mm-hmm. the level of tokenism really has had a detrimental effect on the black community as whole because that's where the stereotypes are set. Yeah. The stereotypes are set by that that very, very, very um um small representation at that level mm. who us who then reflect the rest of the three percent in the UK which we make up. Yeah. So it's um it, it is it is tricky but again my stance on this come back to what I was saying is that I have to affect this through dialogue. Yeah. yeah. Which some people might I've I've seen people say that we don't want to sit at the table da 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 and my my perspective on it is that there's roads and ecosystems and infrastructure that we are about we're about 200 years away from building okay that's the reality to say about 50 and yeah 200 yeah well, I, 50 you said 200 and my my heart so. i know i know i know it's it's and the thing is i'm that's just me i'm fine with that because i've always played the long game mm. but it has to start now mm. in the meantime between time we need help through the dialogue to affect a, a, a an evolution of black wealth yeah okay so that has to come from having the voices in every single tier mm. the black voices or even progressive white voices mm. every single tier to affect change for working class black people mm. and that's another thing as well i read a lot of things online from people who aren't black mm-hmm. who perceive the working class black contingent as just one homogenous group yep mm. so yep. it's almost like or, or, or they even talk about the working class within the UK. Mm-hmm. But black is separate on the very yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they don't understand the different socio-economic groups within that mm-hmm. working class. So it's um, it's difficult because you have to affect. I'm, I'm a hackney boy, and. I kind of move around the community freely and I see the community at a grassroots level. And I guess I'm a bit different from a black person who is kind of in and out of the borough. Mm. And again, I would challenge that perspective to not really be a true reflection of what the, I guess the ground level black person from the community is in need of because they don't talk to him and what they and what they say also as well is that they listen to someone like myself talking and just oh wow oh you're so articulate so articulate and again it's it's breaking down the the racism within that the subliminal the subconscious racism which believes that me talking like this is an anomaly. I'm, I, and, and I'm like, no, there's, 
there's loads of people like us. Well, there's, it's not just a Akala and no one else can talk. There's loads of intellectual, <laughs> there's loads of intellectual black people in far wide spreading, uh, far wide places Honestly. that all you need to do, you need to engage with them. You need to headhunt these people the yep. same way you headhunt other white people for positions. Yeah. So it's, 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 it's quite, it's quite sad because what we have to do, we have to break down the whole crabs in the barrel mentality. Mm. Okay? We have to break down this, this, this belief that if I present myself as quote unquote, the articulate black person, that what I say is, is that there's not other people like me mm. and I cut off the supply line. Yeah. And then what I do is, is that I am, I, I make myself the conduit for my people. Yeah. I'm not trying to do that. Yeah. I'm not trying to do that. And, and I think that's a lot of more pressure I, as well to do that. Yeah. It is. So that's a lot of pressure to place on yourself. Like I'm the one person that represents, you know, millions in this country, billions across the globe. Like, I just, no, I don't want it. This, so this the, 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 the thing is, the thing is, Lala, I don't think they see that. it as pressure. No, yeah. there are people who want that. There are yeah. people who actively seek that. There are people yeah. who want to be that shiny black uh, raisin in the mm-hmm. skin. It's, it's, the other, it's the other P that is. It's not the pressure P, it's the power P. Yeah. That's power. Yeah. So that's mm-hmm. what they want. So, and the thing about power is that, um, um, that's that same absolute power corrupts absolutely so if you give that person that much control after a while it will get to their head so why not spread it out why not have all these voices my thing is this i said this re- this revolution of sorts after um post george floyd god rest his soul is that there's not going to be a poster boy like Malcolm, like Martin, there's going to be loads of different fires, f- fires which are set by myself, yourself, yep. um, all the all the, the the social influences yep. a- across across the spectrum, whether they're online or offline, and affecting change. As yeah. Well. yeah, exactly. So yeah. what happens is that if you are an agent that is trying to diminish and extinguish these voices, you couldn't even if you tried. Because there's so many fires to put out. Yeah. So we're, we're, at a, we're at a different juncture in, I feel, I'm, I mean, I'm a bit of an optimist, but I feel that this is a different juncture to the whole racial divide question because, mm. because of the, the removal of um, certain escapisms mm. like hospitality and, 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 and tourism, people have to sit there and painstakingly, yeah, engage with this day after day after day. They have to flick on their TV. Okay, I watch a bit of sport. Ah, oh, these players with Black Lives Matter on their shirts. Mm. It's everywhere now. Mm. It's everywhere. And this is good. This is good because in the same way, Lala, like when you're, when you're doing um, your training, you know that muscle grows by, by tearing first. Mm. That's the uncom- so, it, so this is it. This is the uncomfortable circumstances we have to be in. We have to tear destroy this, the, the fabric of what we have now and then rebuild something yes. through, these com- through these conversations. So, um, yeah. I, I feel like I mean, Yeah, I feel like I've been jibber-jabbering a bit. Nah, <laughs> no, it's cool. <laughs> Trust me, we're, we're adept at knowing when people are, we will cut them off. <laughs> I've seen us. That is a lot of that is a lot of food for thought, but it's definitely it's definitely tasty and it's definitely worth chewing on. Um, you have a, a can we talk about this? A spread that you have coming up um, mm-hmm. 
with, uh, is it Mixmag? Yeah. Yeah, so tell us about that and the whole rationale behind that. Okay, so the rationale of that is, again, coming off the back of uh, conversations I had in regards to black women's visibility in music Mm. and coming off a a very um, um, important and, yeah, I'll just say important conversation that I had... I want to say it's a conversation because it's pretty one way. So I basically had took issue with uh, an individual called Simon Dunmore. He's the head of a, a, a very big independent record label called Defected. And right. they pretty much um, dominate most of house music. He's a, yeah. he's a white man of age and he kind of presides over everything house, which kind of tips into the commercial and is very, very profitable. Now, I took issue with... Um, dare I say a misjudged tone deaf response to Blackout Tuesday, the black community and what they've been feeling and he operates within what's now we've all kind of there's a general consensus of what we're calling it now which is black music so he deals in house it's black music so he has an obligation to um, reflect the mood of the people within that group so I did a long thread kind of articulating why you have to remove black people solely from the position of just being a commodity. Mm. Like we just sing and then you just put us away in a box Mm. or we just play football and you put us away in a box. Because what is happening is those issues in regards to George Floyd and, and the pain we felt in regards to us being more susceptible um, so they say it to COVID and, and things like that. That anxiety, that that stress, it's not reflected mm. in in white community spaces. Just our creativity. Yeah. So that to me is is I take issue with that because then we we seem like a a resource that can be used for the 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 achieving of the achievement of corporate gains but Mm. nothing else Mm. so i took issue with this thread and at the end of it because i'm a bit of a hustler i said this would be really good if we can have this discussion online in mixmag an issue and i can begin to kind of flesh out these um these thought processes for the wider audience that that probably don't follow me or that didn't see this thread Um, later on that day I got an email from Mixmag saying would you like to write a feature sorry they, they were talking about um, the black women in music would you like to write a feature on the black women in music and then I thought of all the black women that I knew and I said that an issue is not going to be enough I need a feature I need the whole magazine so mm. they went away <laughs> they went away it's a bit bit of a reach but you don't ask, you don't get. Don't ask, you don't get. Yeah. So they, so they went away, had a look at it, <laughs> and then now I'm able to kind of amplify certain people's voices and certain issues going throughout the magazine. It's still not enough, but it's mm-hmm. something. So I can look at black women. I can look at the, the black trans community. I can look at um, uh, black, the UK funky scene. Mm-hmm. I can look at drum and bass and how that's kind of been gentrified. Um, um, in regards to where Jungle was and how those mm. stars haven't had the amplification. Yeah. But, but the difference I'm, I'm using this issue is that I want to, 
I want to articulate a roadmap from a black man's perspective. Right. Because otherwise it just looks like one big issue with rants with every feature. Yeah. And I feel, I feel like we need to, I know it's difficult, but we, we need to have a little think about solutions. Exactly. Mm. Because a lot of the time, and this, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of, I'll air this out, but I had, uh, I, I personally felt this was a little bit embarrassing. I had a conversation with a white guy in the music industry. I won't name his name, but he basically said he spoke to a black musician and he basically gave him the floor and they ran. And this is the, the issue that I have. You have to be ready for when that opportunity presents itself of what you are going to do with that. So I'm not, I know it's scary when it's, it's put on your shoulders as to, okay, what do you want? And they put the microphone in your face and you're just a, 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 a kind of thing. But you have to form. Yeah, you start. <laughs> yeah, start stuttering. But you have to have some, the beginnings of some idea of what it looks like to you. I know mm-hmm. the thing is, I've had a, a, a few conversations with people and they said, oh, um, Kwame, have you ever read The Secret? And I was like, no, what is it about? And they said, oh, it's kind of like, you kind of manifest your thoughts. It doesn't work with people. It kind of works in goals. I was like, okay, cool. Well, I kind of do that anyway. I kind of always have an idea of what I want out of the situation. And before I know it, I'm making my way to that, that destination. Mm-hmm. And I think we all need to start thinking of, if you could go to your boss, just close your eyes. You can go to your boss tomorrow and he calls you into the room. says, Cheryl, come in. Lala, come in. I've, I've been thinking. I haven't been doing this right, but what do you want? That's your moment. You don't want to balls it up. And I feel like a lot of us are so concerned with the anger part, which is fine. You express that anger, but you can't spend too much on that. You have to think of, okay, if that person turns around to you and said, okay, what do you want? Yeah. You've got it there. You've got it. You've been thinking about it long enough. Yeah. So a lot of the reason why I'm able to talk quite fluidly on issues like this is because I've been thinking about this stuff for years. Yeah. If I get in that situation, Kwame, what are you going to say? It's almost like I have those, uh, those epiphanies of whatever, being on radio, being on TV, and having that one moment, that, that five-minute or that two-minute link where they say, okay, what do you want to tell people? Mm. And this is it. This is what we want. And it has to be as clear and concise as possible for people to get the gist of it or at least put you in a situation where you can get onto stage two, stage three, stage four. Yeah. But... Um, that was a bit upsetting for me that in his own capacity, he had been given opportunities to black musicians yeah. and they'd ran from it because I guess the anger had consumed them so much to the point where they hadn't really thought about, oh, but what if I do get the opportunity? Yeah. What do I want for myself or my people? Yeah, yeah. And a lot of the time, because they can't think of what uh, that utopian view looks like, they reduce it to money. Well, I'll have more pay then. Mm. They take the pay and then... Nothing's that, changed. Nothing's changed. Yeah. Effectively, that pay can, can serve as hush money. Yeah. Mm. Where you, you go back to the table, that you, you, you knock on your boss's door. Like, Hold on. I just spoke to you. What, what's the matter now? Mm. <laughs> I just, I'm just, I'm just, I thought just, we solved this issue. Let's yeah, move on. We, exactly. Yeah, I thought yeah. we resolved this issue. So, yeah. Um, it is difficult, but again, I think the, the beautiful thing is that I have platforms like this and I can begin to articulate myself. There's no time constraints and I can get out, which 
it does seem like a very complicated issue, but it isn't when you when you look at um, my thing is this: there's there's some musicians who get frightened or anxious at articulating what they want as a black man or a black woman. Mm. I would always say, draw on your experiences because I've had 30 plus years of being a black man kind of thing. <laughs> I think I've got experience in it. Just draw from a sense of truth. Yeah. yeah? You're not going to get it right, but just say something. Yeah, the moment yeah. you say that, I guess you don't want to talk in it, it kind of diminishes how important that issue is to you. Yeah. If I come around from the council and I'm like, okay, uh, I heard you got a leak. Um, where is it? Oh, I don't want to talk about it right now. Oh, oh, really? I thought you had a leak. That's why we came down here. Yeah, you can't be serious. You know what I mean? Oh, okay, well, I'll just take my money for this, this call out and go home. Mm. But you have to take those opportunities because you have to set a precedent that this is important. That's why I'm, I'm, I keep talking about it. Yeah. So a lot of the energy I, I'm kind of getting off my timeline is that Kwame does have a record label. Kwame is a father. Kwame is... He's got these things going on. We know he's got these things. We know he's dealing with these things. And he's amplifying these people's voices. Yeah. That just shows how much he's, you know what I mean? He's passionate about it. Yeah. And I guess you have to, in your own spaces, I mean, it doesn't have to be this, but whatever you're passionate about it, you have to lead from the front on it. Otherwise, me as someone looking on, I'm going to be like, well, if I go to your Instagram and, or whatever and you're not talking about it, then it's of no concern to you. I'm not, it's not going to be of concern to me. Yeah. Yeah. You want me, let's say, for example, you want me to actively think about, let's say, for example, um, putting money into black businesses and you're not doing it? I'll get the hell out of it. I'm not doing it. Yeah. I'm never going to go harder than you. You know what I mean? So it has yeah. to be a reflection of that. Yeah. So um, that's, that's, it, actually, that's actually um, a really important way to look at it and a really interesting way um, to look at it because... A lot of time, you know, I speak for myself and I speak for so many people that I know, a lot of moves are made in silence and they're, yeah. just, and they're being done by people because this is just how we, you know, this is just how we are. This is just how we live. Yeah. But actually, you, you, I think you've put forward a pretty compelling argument to be a bit more vocal about yeah. things. Yeah. Just so that you're even saying, you're, it's, it's almost like a call to action to others as well. Yeah, I yeah. I've never thought of it in that way. And because it's not the call to action of the others that you know are already doing it, which might be your, you know, your immediate followers. And that's yeah. what you don't even really need to be saying, but, but, but this, this and that. Yeah. But actually, yeah, to be able to, if time and opportunity comes and somebody thinks or says what should we be doing you're able to say well it's this this and that and you're backed up with the authority that they know and can see that yeah. you're doing it too yeah Actually, and, yeah. and i think you, you we have to we have to develop a culture where black people and white people whoever are proud to amplify and market and 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 project news of what they do in the community for good mm-hmm. as opposed to their new car or their or their do you know what i mean or their new watch or their new chain like we have to move away from that can't be the proudest parts of your person that you're willing to showcase to us kind of thing you should be proud to say i've done this for this school near me and i'm going to put it on the timeline 
don't don't listen to people that say, oh, you're showing off because they're not saying that about your new watch. Yeah. They're not saying it about, oh, you've got a Mercedes and we don't want it. That's making me feel... The, 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 the capitalist parts of our lives don't hold as much of a critique as when we do things in the community. Oh, why are you filming that person? I mean, I get it. Sometimes uh, it, it can look a bit self, self-indulgent, but I thought to myself, if it's making people go for that type of behavior to help, right? Yeah. That, can, that can only be a good thing. That can only be a good thing. If you want to, if you want to uh, put up a picture of yourself and you say, oh, I gave this school this money vouchers for their PE equipment and that's fine. I think we need to be doing more of that. Mm. So movements in silence, which are beneficial to the community, can never galvanize and create a momentum because they're in silence. We don't know they happened. Right, 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 right. yeah. So it's... it's I get that some people, I mean, I've, I've got loads of people up and down the, the music spectrum and, they, and they, they might call me or I see them, they know I follow them and they might send an indirect shot because they know how I, I'm a very direct person yeah. kind of thing. So they might say something like, oh, well, you don't know if a man's doing something in, in silence. I like, yeah, cool, I don't know. But chances are, if you was doing it, you'd be shouting it from the rooftops mm. because I know who you are as a person. So mm. it sounds like to me, you're just using Jedi mind tricks and you, you haven't done anything whatsoever. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah. I think that's a really actually like, I love when somebody opens like a, a crack in just another point. And I just, I feel like you've, yeah, you've, you've sold the argument for actually being a bit more vocal about, mm. you know, some of the, some of the things that people are going on with. Cause yeah. Yeah, there are, I think there are plenty of people. And I think as well, I think um, young gen, so younger than me, mm. think that way older gen are yeah. not doing anything. And yeah. I know, because maybe I'm a bit closer to way older gen, yeah. they're, still, they're, st- they're still boxing. Still yeah. They're still yeah. in mm. But they may not be as, 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 as vocal about it. They may not even know how to work these tools. Yeah, yeah. About it. So yeah, yeah that's actually, that's, that's a really interesting... Um, take and it's yeah it's set it's set for me that is something that that perhaps needs to happen and that um i think i can even encourage more for that you know those kind of older ones look let's let's talk about it more let's let's, um show it out there to show that it is an ongoing thing and there's people from all quarters all generations still out there doing bits yeah i think we just need to consciously always remember even the people who actually don't sell anything that when you appear online, you're a brand. Mm. You're a brand. When you wear a shirt, people ask you, where'd you get your shirt from? I want to buy it too, mm. right? So in the same way that your clothing mannerisms can generate a, 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 a purchase behavior, mm. your actual behavior in the community can do the same thing, yeah. which is kind of why we have issues of toxic behavior yeah. because it's, it's toxic because there is a chance that it can influence other people. people. So it's the same way. If your behavior is good, then it can influence other people. And it's just changing that, that perception of, it's just not the negative, which has an overwhelming effect. Positive influences can have an overwhelming effect as as well, Mm. depending upon how you market them. Mm. So I've always been a case of, when I, um, I sent out some tweets, again, once again, using my tweets to kind of generate opportunities. I sent out a tweet saying that 
wouldn't it be great if we had some sort of uh, doorstep challenge where we amplify all the, the kids in, in communities and schools that, I don't know, had, had shown some sort of trajectory from a bad space to a good place, whether it's in grades, whether it's in their attendance, whether they're looking after an elderly dependent, and someone comes to their house, give them tickets to, I don't know, these are the times when we could go out, tickets to a show, new trainers, whatever, they meet their favorite celebs, something to reward good behavior. Mm. Then what happens is that you begin to generate a, 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 a movement that, oh, I don't have to be bad to, to get recognition. I can, be, I, yeah. I can be good and get recognition. Yeah. Yeah. But this is the thing. We have to develop counterculture. Yeah. And what I've always noticed is that a lot of the radio stations, a lot of um, the, the, the major labels have profited considerably off of the negative aspects of black culture. We've seen it for years. Mm. Which is kind of the reasons why um, uh, their retort will be these kids are coming from underprivileged backgrounds and that they're reflecting their environment, societies. Okay, cool. I'm not for censorship. But what you can't do in, in response is diminish all the good kids that are just going to school, living normal life and saying that, oh, you're unremarkable. I want to look for the story. Tell me about the time you sold drugs and you were 14. Tell me about the time you... Why? Because mm. you're fetishizing that, that level of, of, of poverty from... Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And we have to create a counterculture, a counterbalance, because what is happening is that... I mean, I work in, in pupil referral units in and around East London. Mm. And what you're finding is that I'm getting kids sent into me black kids and white kids who are acting up because they're not getting any attention. Mm. They're actively going out and they're going on these things, county lines, which is um, what these kids call country. Yeah. And they, go, they leave London and they go and sell drugs for uh, an, an elder um, dealer mm. and make the money. But it's normally them in precarious situations. Yeah, but sure. effectively, they're really, really good kids, well-mannered. I have no issues with them. They're doing this for validation to, mm. to what um, was spoken about in, in the podcast we, 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 we were talking about earlier. Yeah. But um, it's very, very sad. And unless you change the dynamic and the perception of what their behavior does for them, mm. they're going to carry on doing that. If there is some sort of reward system for being bad, we're going to keep losing kids down that, that road. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what's really interesting? Like, just us having this conversation and I'm just so, I'm like so really pleased that you've um, come on the show and that you've said like literally all of the things that you've said because they riff off things that Lara and I are shouting into the ether about <laughs> um, on, our, on our episodes. But you know, we don't always, I mean, for sure there are loads of podcasts which are fronted by black males and you know, I don't listen to all of them. I listen mm. to some, mm. and um, a lot of the ones I listen to aren't UK based. But one thing that I do find, and this may be, um, you know, maybe I'm just not primed to it, is that I don't necessarily feel as though, and it may be because as well, the subject is not sexy enough, but I don't <laughs> necessarily feel as though there are enough men who are kind of verbally leading from the front in the way that you are and being quite challengeful about some of the obvious things that we see so when you spoke about counterculture i wrote that down 
because I need to like ruminate just on mm. that as a thing. Yeah. Um, because that could really be and should really be a thing that yeah. we actively engage in. And um, one of the podcasts, I know Uslock kind of like spoke about it before we press record. One of the podcasts or one of the outputs that I listened to, um, watched in fact yesterday was um, Chucky's JD in the duffel bag um, series. Mm-hmm. So I watched his um, episode where he had Lippy Lickshot and Taser from Three Shots on it. And actually the things that the, the um, journey that especially Lippy spoke about from being a young boy to a young adult and now into adulthood, a young black boy um, into adulthood was, for me, I won't say eye-opening because I knew it, but the articulation of the experiences of his growing awareness of being treated differently um, from primary school to secondary school because of the color of his skin as compared to some of his white counterparts. Um, the the effectiveness of him being engaged in football for a long period of time had on him and his behaviour and also um, when that was lost from his life and how that was lost and what effect that had. But also him and Taser speaking especially about why it is that young young men and in, in their cases young black men they were specifically speaking about their own friendship groups and themselves look at things that are um, maybe negative and people that are doing negative things, maybe engaged in criminality, selling drugs and find that attractive and almost aspire to it because as they were saying, it gave them some kind of social validation. And one thing that's clear in all of that, because they, they're, they're so aware now. Like I, was, I was amazed, like they, they, they are people who maybe their platforms or them personally have been seen and have said problematic things in the past or maybe um, connected with problematic um, people in one particular case. Mm-hmm. What I could appreciate and why I kept watching, what I was able to appreciate is their ability to recognize and speak very clearly on the way in which young black men were attracted into maybe a negative role, negative behavior, and also how they were able to, to how, how they see that now. And yeah. what, what, what I think they also said by not saying was that they didn't have this counterculture yeah, yeah. Like just spoken about that didn't uh-huh. exist. No. So if it had, they would have had a balance, and they would have had um, rather than just fortune for both of them going off in the way that they did and creating the platforms that they have, but they would have had for them and their peers like an, another obvious route, not yeah. having to be a certain way. Um, so that's kind of a long way of asking why why doesn't this counterculture exist the counterculture doesn't exist because it has to be enforced from the earliest convenience possible Mm. and in my estimation for young black men the first place it should be enforced from is from their fathers um first and foremost that's not to say that mothers can't enforce it as well Mm. But um, who they kind of 
ideologically kind of are in sync with would yeah. be their, their dads who they will they'll manifest and, and grow into if their dads are and kind of it's, it's almost as if um a process of of conditioning has to occur mm. in regards to what you respect what your values are as a man and what you reward your son that's how i i kind of parent my my three boys and it's about consistency mm. it's about um uh determination it's about resilience it's about practice mm. um and within those things they they understand the importance of error as well because right. error they can correct and make mistakes but it's it's just enforcing those values alongside uh, obviously other values that will ultimately steer them clear of um, any negative forces as they're kind of progressing through their adolescent years. That's not to say that they're not going to be subjected to temptation and, and, and very, dare I say like really, really, nice offers in regards to um clothing and and instant gratification Mm. but if your conditioning if that counterculture is in force at the earliest convenience yeah they automatically turn that away Mm. because their validation where they seek it from it supersedes these people on the street right 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 so what you do is is that you kind of set a a you 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 create a a fictitious layer, and I say it's fictitious because it it doesn't exist in a tangible form. It starts off with me, but then it's just their own values mm. and their own um uh um like how can I put it their own expectations of themselves. Mm. And they push themselves, they, they demand more of themselves because of the, this value that exists. So even when I'm, I'm not here and I'm not around in the physical form, mm. they expect better of yeah. themselves. But it's about enforcing that, count, that counterculture of what you expect, what is wrong, what is right. Yeah. Hopefully it's to come from the right moral compass. But then they, they're an autopilot. And when someone offers them and say, hey, you want to earn some quick money? And they say, no, thanks, kind of thing, because this is what I expect of myself and I know to be better. Mm-hmm. So, but that counterculture, if it isn't there from the earliest point, the more prevalent culture, which respects um, money, which respects, um, I don't know, how many girls you slept with and all that kind of stuff, all that additional bravado, which, you, which when you're a young man you think that it means something but it doesn't it doesn't mean anything at all mm. it actually funnels you into uniformity and it is quite sad because when you're driving around and you see um, a lot of the, the young black boys on the roads mm. and they're all dressed the same it's like a uniform it's yeah. almost robbed them of their individuality that yeah. they can't come out oh. and yeah and, and they can't come out and I'm not just saying on a hot day or any day, they can't come out in, I don't know, a floral top, yeah, <laughs> with shorts 
But I've just, said that because you see, you do, there's almost like a hom- homogenization of like, and it, it can't be, you know, it happens anyway because of, you know, fashion. And mm. it. But it's like, sometimes I wonder to myself, like, where's the skate boy peas? Where's the rock? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. I only ever kind of sometimes see like a, a one cookie cutter yeah. outlook of what, what is, I don't know, seem to be like the look of a certain generation. And sometimes yeah. I kind of query that, like, oh, is it enough of our scenes? And it is sad because if they had enough confidence and self-esteem to understand that the youth set trends. So if they come out and they're all wearing shorts and floral shirts, before you know it, Primark and Boohoo will have that on their website. But they don't understand that because that's the reason why JD Sports are selling North Face. It's because the kids are wearing it. Mm. Mm. That's the, why, that's the reason why North Face, a brand which is pretty, pretty expensive, has made a street line of clothing because the kids are wearing it. Mm. And they have to have a, a level of understanding that they can be themselves, they can be diverse, but, and still keep the same friendship groups. Yeah. But they have to live in their truth. Yeah. If they don't live in their truth, they follow agendas which... Are harmful. Have, yeah, are harmful and have detrimental effects to their, to yeah. their career. Yeah. So, do you know what? One of my takeaways from um, today is definitely going to be just just the, the phrasing counterculture. Um, <laughs> like, keep that with me. So, I'm very grateful for that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank so, you. Let's move on to the last phase of the show, and mm-hmm. that is our shady corner. Okay. And you are the light. Now, La, I know that you had a particular. <sighs> that you wanted to put into Shady Corner. Oh, this woman. I don't understand. Like, it's so interesting because, you know, know, we're talking about Black Lives Matter and the whole movement trying to break down systemic racism. And, you know, you get a lot of people who are like, oh, yes, you know, I'm not racist at all. I got black friends and blah, blah, blah. And all of this kind of chit-chat, chit-chat. And then, you know, when black people actually talk about our experiences and how we feel, and we've been saying this, not, not even for decades, for centuries. And it's like just this broken record that goes on and on and on. So when we start to kind of do things and then those things are then looked at as aggressive forms of kind of um, protest and you shouldn't be doing it this way, you should have done it this way. And it always makes me laugh because I think to myself, you do understand how we got to this point. We didn't just mm. wake up one morning mm-hmm. and decide <laughs> this is what we're going to do. Like, mm. do you remember I was saying to you in the last po- podcast, Cheryl, that the way British history is told and the way certain things are actually looked at reminds me of that nursery rhyme, uh, one, two, miss a few, 9900. Yeah. Everybody forgets about that large chunk, those large mm. chunks of numbers in the middle after you, you, know, you screened out one and two and then you just want to get to 99 and 100. <laughs> what about them numbers right there? And I feel like this is where we are right now with people yeah. who don't understand the Black Lives Matter movement. Like mm. we got here because you know, one of, the, nicely. Yeah, <laughs> one of the people who decided he wasn't going to quarantine his racism in the way that we were all supposed to be quarantining, decided he was going to kneel on somebody's neck, henceforth mm-hmm. causing everybody to leave their homes when we should be isolating to go marching and protesting. And off of the back of that protest, you know, we had um, a lady called, um, I think her name is Jan Reed, who um, agreed to pose for this statue. 
um, which they kind of uh, made up and they placed um, where the Edward Colston statue was in Bristol Mm -hmm. and they put that up. So Jeremy Vine the other day, he obviously had a debate about it on his show on Channel 5 and Karen Malone, journalist i say that with um, rabbit ears she was on there giving her opinion and the person that was kind of um arguing her opinion against was um femi um i've forgotten his surname but he again he's an activist and he's a regular on um jeremy vine so her argument was that you know the statue shouldn't be up there um they didn't ask for permission so therefore you know it's vandalism it's vigilantism it shouldn't be up there shouldn't she was like very adamant and very like really angry about the whole thing so Mm -hmm. femi was trying to say to her would you prefer a statue of a man that literally caused the death of hundreds of thousands of people had them enslaved and then took money from that from you know from the slave trade to kind of lie in his pockets and she was like well you know it's it's he did a lot of good things for the city of bristol he built schools he did this he did that and she's like and i'm like looking at her like but that was blood money you do understand where that money comes from and this is somebody who's supposed to be educated and would understand that history but you see when people try to make excuses they will come up with so many other things and tried to justify it by saying he built schools i don't care those schools shouldn't be there as far as i'm concerned because the man got that from illegal games so femi was like looking at her like what like what's wrong with you and then i think jeremy kind of um, made the point that banksy famous you know artist that we know kind of goes around london and anywhere that he wants and just kind of does his graffitis and everybody's like hand clapping like a seal because oh my god it's banksy it's amazing which you know i'm fine about but what he was trying to say was that you know very recently he did one of his infamous graffiti pieces in a um i think a train carriage and i think one of the cleaners must have wiped it off or something like that but the point he was making was that banksy didn't actually get permission to put his artwork up there. And she was like, oh no, well that's fine. You know, it's okay for him to do that. And he was like, well, why? Oh, because it's Banksy and we, we, you know, we all know Banksy, we grew up with him and we love him and blah, blah, blah. And I'm sitting there artist and I'm like- erected that other statue then. Right. And mm. I'm like, am I actually watching just racist rhetoric just flying out of this woman's mouth at this time in the morning? It's yeah. like, and then this oh. is the same, right. And this is the same woman that's like, oh, it's vigilantism. That be-. So it just goes back to the point that what, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement have been trying to say is that we just want equality. This is what we've been asking for for centuries, but you, your hands are in your ears and you're just not paying attention. And the mere fact that you cannot see the um, equation between Banksy doing his work and this um, gentleman putting up his statue of this woman with the Black, black Power um, sip. Um, symbol says to me that you actually don't see black people as equal to anybody else the mm. fact that you actually turn around and said it's because it's a Banksy and we all know and love Banksy and we grew up with Banksy I never grew up with Banksy I don't know Banksy from my ass to my do you know what I mean so mm. it's just these justifications that I'm seeing day in and day out when we have these conversations about race even yesterday on um they did a, a panel debate show about um, ha- whether or not Britain has has changed off of the back of um, the Stephen um, Lawrence murder That's and the McPherson report. If you didn't watch it, please go and watch it. It was just so like mind boggling, the excuses that were literally just flying out of people's mouths to kind of justify where we are right now with racism and the fact that we are so 
misinformed, not educated about the history and the damage that this country has done. Hence why, again, we are in this position. We are at 100, but nobody cares about the middle numbers, all of those numbers there as to why we got there. And I'm really sick and tired of just the, the, the shitty excuses. Carol, you can just, you can do one because we, don't ask me any more questions about you know, what is it like to be a black person growing up in the UK? What can I do? What can we, because you, you don't care. You don't care. So can we put, instead of just her, can we put all, um, all uh, discussion shows <laughs> you have on mainstream media, um, mainly white panelists, just dancing around <laughs> the issue of whether racism even exists. Can we just write that in shape? I just feel like saying, just leave us alone. We, we get it. You don't like us. You don't want us don't to care. be on an equal footing. What you're actually scared of is that you think that black people don't want equality. What you think is we want revenge. And mm. it's like, if that was going to happen, we would have revolted how many years ago, you yeah. know, globally. You know, we just want to live our lives like decent human beings, like everybody else. What is that problem? Mm. What is your problem with that? Mm. So, oh, what's that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> her and 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 um, all other um, chat shows of the like can go into shady corner. I wanted to put. I'm just going to make this one really brief. I just wanted to put Tory Lanes in shady corner. <laughs> I'm going to press pause on it because I just want to find out. Tory Lanes shoot. Meg the Stallion. I don't know. So until I find out, Tori, you know, all may be going in that corner. And I just, I don't care how you entertain the people with your quarantine um, Insta stories or whatever it was you were doing there. <laughs> Apparently people twerking their lives away on there. And all uh, I don't care. I don't care about the energy that you came with to, 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 to actually help people understand what the protests were about when mm. certain other individuals were crying about Gucci being Because <laughs> if you shot my girl Meg in her foot, I'm, I'm upset. Listen, <laughs> I'm upset. listen. This, this, this red light uh, 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 flipping Harlem night scene, I just thought to myself, who is shooting who in whose foot? What, what, what's going on? Do you know how much I, I love a Meg the Stallion because Right, this is my bias now. I'm like, Shares, she's tall. I'm tall. I'm 5'11. Shares, you're probably about 5'10, 5'9, 5'10, yeah? Don't say 5'9. So, Don't ever say 5'9 again. How I'm tall are you? <laughs> say 5'10. 5'10. We're both Amazonian, <laughs> Amazonian goddesses, okay? Is the point that I'm making. And Meg has come onto the scene, and I don't actually remember any other female rappers being tall that she is and being celebrated for the body that she has and everything and being amazing. She's done the track with Beyonce, and I'm like, yes, yes, finally. Oh, I fed up all these, of all these little rappers, little dicks and little that. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, the only little I, I kind of acknowledge is little Kim. Outside of that, the rest of you lot can do one, and you lot being dominated for the longest amount of time, and I'm fed up. And then Megan comes along, and this flipping leprechaun shoots her in her foot who are you eddie murphy no 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 Bayer. shooting the one person in her <laughs> I, I can't Bayer. i cannot 
You can't make this story up. No, he better not have done that, you know. I'm going to be really upset with him. He's going to spend a <laughs> lifetime in Shady Corner and perhaps other forms of incarceration. So, he's going to going to shoot me in my pinky toe. Yes. <laughs> you shot her in her I, I, Oh, my God, Tori. Right. I don't know how you're going to get out of this one. His career is pretty much done now. We will bring Because that's a felony. News. We will bring you further news on... <laughs> This Tory Lane's chit chat, maybe <laughs> in the next show. But let's end on a high um, note, putting people in the light. Yes. Okay, so there's a bag of people that we, um, today's actually, not today, so this week rather has been a really um, brilliant week for um, black women doing great things so i want to shout out to june sarpong as we know she's the creative um diversity director at the bbc and she just announced an event that's taking place on july the 28th and the 29th and you're gonna have michaela cole and cynthia arrivo to host the bbc's first ever virtual um diversity event Mm-hmm. Um, the show is going to be hosted by Grace Ladoja and Cla- Clara Anfo. Mm-hmm. So we've got all just black women, black women up in the place, just showing their creative brilliance. And I'm, I'm really pleased because off of the back of um, May I Destroy You, I'm still like, I watched it again um, the other day, and I'm just like, yeah, Michaela did bit. So I'm really pleased um, that all of those women are, you know, have been given the space by the BBC to to do to do a talk like this so yeah man yeah. well done ladies i watched the last um episodes of um i may destroy you and it's difficult watching isn't it yeah yeah there were bits i really enjoyed it <laughs> yeah. I mean, well we need to we actually need to do we said we were going to do a a review breakdown of the entire series which we'll try to do maybe next week because there's so many themes in there that really kind of like spoke to myself and Cheryl that we feel like you know is definitely podcast worthy we should just get into and just like dig a little deeper and discuss discuss that so we'll be doing that soon um but yeah 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 got anyone that you want to shine particular light on before we sign out um i think yourselves really yeah oh thank you yeah thank you lala and Cheryl, for having me on and um yeah because i don't get well i think people are are quite afraid of what i'm gonna be like with (laughs) a microphone because they see how i tweet and it's too loud yeah (laughs) too loud yeah so um no, I think, you do you know what it is with you? What I will say is, is that obviously, look, you know, I follow your tweets and stuff like that. And I don't see very many black men, particularly those that work in the music industry, being as open and as direct and specifically talking about the issues that affect black artists and black people that work within the music industry. Like, you know, you mentioned it earlier. People are very much mute when it comes to that maybe because they think they've got a lot to lose. But I think given the fact that the industry just, it leans so heavily on black culture and black things. And it's, you know, we are the tastemakers of making that industry just very much generate any type of cash or any type of movement any, or anything like that. This, mm-hmm. this, this fear that we have, we need to, we need to stop. Because mm-hmm. we actually, we have a lot more control than maybe what we think. Mm-hmm. And rather than trying to ingratiate ourselves into the pockets and into the minds of 
maybe white people who've been abusing, you know, music platforms and the genres that we create out of nothing to mm. just kind of really just be a bit more fearless and yeah. say what needs to be said. I think now yeah. is actually the perfect time. You exactly. kind of led the charge in that. And I think they see that in you and they're just like, oh my gosh, this is a bit out of my remit. I don't really know how to... And the fact of the matter is you're doing it and you've got a bloody magazine spread coming out off of the back of it. I'm sure more things are going to come your way. Um, and hopefully if people see that, it will be the driving force to make them be a bit more progressive and kind of speak out rather than being mm. a bit fearful. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, but I think, that's, I think that's what it is with you. But I think you should just carry on as you've been, as you've been doing and you'll see more voices kind of joining you, yeah. I'm sure. You know what, Frank? I need to. Uh, we, we'll speak off air anyway because I want mm -hmm. to talk to you about um, the Black Music Coalition, which okay. I'm involved in, and I just I feel I feel like you can find a place in there, um, just because of you know the ideals of it are, are aligned with yours, but also because of your vocal nature and because of what you do, um, having a label and being independent and all the rest of it. Because we just set up an indie arm, so I want to get you um, into. <coughs> Uh, into that so that will be good so thank you so much for coming on no the thank you very much thanks everyone for listening we gonna be back um sometime soon probably within a week and uh with another juicy show talking about yes. juicy topics but la for now we've been two girls in the mic we're out bye, bye. bye.